Around about 12 months ago on the podcast, episode 185, we featured Joe Kane from Phillips and Darren Reynolds from Teladoc. And that episode was released around about the time of the announcement regarding a new partnership formed between Teladoc and Phillips. And in that episode, we were talking about the exciting potential that that brings, building on the track record that both of those companies have. Well, in this episode today, we get to look a bit more at some deliverables from the partnership and how it's going, specifically in the virtual neonatology space, and hear about some more exciting use cases and opportunities that present when combining the best-in-breed technologies for virtual care in Australia. So here we go. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. With me today is Darren Reynolds from Teladoc Health Australasia and Joe Kane from Philips. Darren is the Managing Director of Teladoc Australasia and the SVP for Global Emerging Markets. He's been with Teladoc for 12 years including a three-year secondment in their Boston office and leads markets in Australia, New Zealand and Japan. Prior to Teladoc, he had leadership roles in insurance and publishing. Joe's got over 10 years of experience in remote patient monitoring and the virtual teleconsultation space, both in and out of hospital facilities. He brings a passion for optimizing patient flow across facilities through comprehensive virtual care centers implementing virtual care programs like EICU, virtual e-triage, hospital in the home, and a multitude of chronic disease remote monitoring programs. Gents, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks, Pete. Doing well. Thanks, Pete. How good is this? It's like a sequel from a conversation that we had on the show back in episode 185, I checked, which is about 12 months ago. So I haven't thought of a good corny kind of sequel name for it, the repottening or something we could call it, but it's going to be jam-packed. It's going to be lots of fun. So thank you for making the time again. I like even more podcasts. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So people can go back and learn a bit more about Teladoc and Philips in episode 185, and we'll link that into the show notes. And that conversation was a bit more about the partnership and when it first came together, but it's been about 12 months. What's been happening since then? Yeah, well, the partnership's going great. Since forming the partnership, we've gone into the market. We're now in discussion with multiple Australian and New Zealand hospitals, health systems. Got some really good, strong business cases that are in development. And what I love is that these business cases are helping to solve some of the really big issues that are facing healthcare. From a Teladoc perspective, it's just been absolutely awesome to leverage the depth of Philips' strong reach into the ANZ market. Their customer base is huge. The relationships they've got are really, really strong and deep. So it's been advantageous for us to be able to get those connections. And I'm also excited because we've started to explore relationship with Philips in some of the other international markets up in Asia. So we're already kind of talking to some common markets in Singapore, Thailand, Japan with the great team that Philips has got. Yeah, if I could uh, you know, just add to that, you know, tapping on Darren's comment, it's great to start a partnership in Australia. I think that, you know, for most multinationals, you tend to have partnerships born out of, you know, Europe or born out of the USA or specifically the Netherlands for Philips. And I I mean, this was something that was born out of Australia and is influencing multiple other continents and markets. So we're really proud of that. It's also really great that we're kind of seeing and learning new things about the Australian market as the Australian market evolves. 
And as you know, these virtual care strategies that everyone has invested in over the last five years as they actually start to be executed. And I think, I guess, one of the biggest things from that perspective, we're learning that urgent care centers are becoming a bigger focus in the future. EDs in particular are also a big focus, but also these non-hospital facilities. So not just home care, not just hospital care, but sort of your subacute facilities, your rehab facilities, your residential age care facilities, and then also your aforementioned urgent care facilities they're going to become a very big part of our collaboration moving forward. No, that's great. And what's good as well is that now too, I believe you've got things to point out as implementations too. So you've just launched a new virtual neonatology program with the master. Is that right? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really excited about this. As you know, access to specialist services in remote areas can sometimes be really difficult. So we've helped the MARTA design a virtual neonatology program, and it's all about bringing the expertise of their neonatologist base in Brisbane. Now, their Brisbane hospital happens to be the biggest maternity hospital in Australia, and we're taking that expertise and putting it into two of their big rural hospitals in Rockhampton and Mackay. So using our specialist virtual care devices, our software, we can now connect those rural centres into that Brisbane expertise at the touch of a button. Nice. And so then thinking about like what that looks like, how is what you've set up different to something like just spinning up Zoom or Microsoft Teams or something? Because, you know, a lot of the time people might think, well, virtual care means spinning up a video call and replicating the in-person consult, just doing it in front of computers. But it sounds like it's a bit more involved in that, particularly for the martyr, right? It really kind of gets <laughs> gets on my nerves when people kind of say that, you know, teleconferencing or virtual care is just as simple as putting a clinician in front of a camera. It's so much more than that. And particularly if you think about the unique nature of neonatology, you know, the program has to be purpose-built to ensure that it fits within the hospital environment. And it has to be purpose-built to make sure that it can be literally on demand. So that's not just as simple as saying, let's have a clinician in front of a camera. Now, Due to the global nature of Teladoc Health, we're really fortunate in that we've already designed many virtual neonatology services with other world-leading hospitals. We've got relationships with the Mayo Clinic in the USA, Elder Hay Children's in the UK. So we were able to leverage that knowledge and bring that expertise into the MADA. You know, we're used to building intuitive, easily adoptable, scalable programs. And the key to our program here is that we use specific purpose-built devices. So this device has got a dual camera. One of them is on a boom arm that sits over the crib. So we can get a direct image of the baby as well as the other camera pointing to other diagnostic material in the room. It's literally like the specialist neonatology in Brisbane is sitting in the room in Rocky or in Mackay. And then we also made sure the system was designed to allow a really quick, efficient one-touch entry point just to create that quick connection. Then we also had configurable software modules. We made sure we tied the clinical workflows to be proven in a work emergent clinical situation that also fitted into the MARTA's workflows. So you add all of that, it's a lot more than simply just putting a clinician in front of a camera. And then another key difference was also having really good, clear implementation, training and program goals, which Joe can kind of discuss a little bit more about. Yeah, from an implementation perspective, there are definitely some similarities with our you know, high acuity adult population programs, but there are some major differences. And we really had to make sure that the nuances of the super specialty of neonatology were taken into account in terms of just ensuring that the bedside team had a lot of, I guess, faith in the platform itself, the, the devices, and really the overall service, which is a combination of people, process, and tools. I mean, Philips have 
a long history of implementing in, in NICUs and pediatric wards. Now, all things that go beep at the bedside, like patient monitoring, even ultrasound, you know, we're very familiar with this space. But to have this kind of direct impact on the triage of a very vulnerable population was something that we took very seriously. So it was in the training process and the change management process and the outcomes measurement process, we made sure that we didn't go in with any assumptions, that we you know, took learnings from Teladoc reference sites, but we also made sure that these learnings were catered and localized to the Australian environment. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime. Online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. Got it. Yeah, look, I'm always interested in the implementation part, and that's good that you've kind of, you know, leaned into that and thinking about there's so much to learn from pre, you know, prior experience and things that have been done before. So thinking about then setting up a virtual program for, you know, those health systems that might be looking at doing that or optimizing what they've got. Sounds like then uh, some advice or some lessons might be, you know, around not having assumptions and catering for the particular error. Is that about right? What else would be, you know, key lessons for those looking to set up a virtual program or some pitfalls to avoid? Yeah, but lots of pitfalls that you can kind of get yourself into. I think an important thing to keep in mind is that not everyone actually understands what's virtual care. You're in a room with five people and you ask the question, what is virtual care? You'll most probably get five different answers. You know, initially, not everyone wants to buy in. Some people kind of are set in their ways and they may not want to kind of change. So a key goal is always to focus on the problem that we were trying to solve. And MARTA came to us with a problem. They wanted to solve that problem. And so by making sure that was always at the center of what we're doing and then ensuring that we built the program to be as easy and efficient as possible, that was a key way to make sure that the the program was going to be successful. We also had to remember that we were dealing with a rural hospital. Now, unfortunately, rural hospitals are not always as resource and technology efficient as those in the city might be. And with a virtual neonatology solution, you need a 100% guaranteed connection point 24-7 because it's got to be ready to go at any time instantaneously when that emergency situation arises. So ensuring that we had a solid internet connection was a little more challenging than what you might expect and just something we really needed to get right. And then I'd say we also needed to find the champions amongst the different teams, you know, the clinical team, in the networking team, in the training team, and those people who were excited about the project, who were 
really enthusiastic. We use them to continue to build enthusiasm with the team. And then another big part was just about setting expectations and outcomes, which fortunately Phillips were, were really experts at. So Joe can explain that a little bit more. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about outcomes and measuring outcomes. That For me personally and for our organization, that's something that we really had to deep dive into. The outcomes that you drive for neonatology program, which is, you know, essentially emergency medicine, it, the timing is everything. Those kinds of outcomes were a bit more focused on, you know, time for medication, you know, reliability of the service, you know, AFGAR scoring, which I'll get into later. Like those were the outcomes as opposed to say mortality reduction or length of stay reduction, which is a major outcome that we drive and measure in the adult populations. I do want to talk about, I guess, the major nuance tying together the program itself with outcomes, and that's the volumes. We're lucky to live in a country where the amount of NICU patients is not that high, even in a metropolitan area, and it's certainly not that high in a regional area. But the impact you can have on this very acutely ill patient is enormous. So it's very important that, I guess, the technology itself and the people and I guess the whole service is at the ready, as Darren alluded to before, uh, 24-7. Otherwise, you won't achieve outcomes. I also want to tie in the outcomes that you might not think of. I think with the NICU patients, you're looking at staff outcomes, so staff satisfaction at the bedside with the service. But you're also looking at family satisfaction. A neonate can't fill out a survey. So the family, the parents would be surveyed at some point in time just to kind of understand their satisfaction with the service as well. Going back, I guess, jumping around a little bit to a very similar program like Telestroke, there's a lot of correlation between the outcomes we measure in uh, telenicu programs versus Telestroke. You know, you're looking at TPA versus APGAR scoring. You're looking at, you know, optimization of triage. And for these very time-specific programs, we're finding that the actual outcomes are similar as opposed to the more longer-term programs like ICU programs. Joe, you mentioned APGAR scoring a few times. Talk to me a bit more about that and why that's important. Yeah. <laughs> so we've learned all about APGAR scoring. APGAR stands for Appearance, Pulse, Grimace, Activity, and Respiration. As you can't ask questions to a neonate because they haven't said their first word yet, this is one of the standard scores that, that many facilities use to judge the acuity of a particular patient. Patients at less than 7 out of 10 at one minute will be assessed and scored, and then that will determine the acuity of the patient and the need to potentially tap on a remote NICU service. Good one. And so now with the MARTA specifically, now that the program's live, do you think there's going to be similar opportunities to introduce virtual care programs that are similar to this across the Australian and New Zealand region? Oh, absolutely. And not only similar programs you know, across other hospitals, but even just to expand what we're doing in the hospital with the MARTA. Like even though this was set up for a virtual neonatology, we're already looking at other use cases that we can use the camera and the software to make connections. Two immediate examples are maternity support and obstetrics. So in maternity support, you know, mum has a baby, mum goes home. In rural areas, home might be hundreds of kilometres from the hospital. And then mum's having a bit of trouble with breastfeeding. Oftentimes, they have to get back in the car, drive back in for literally a 25-minute consultation. So, you know, we're going to connect the mum on a tablet to a specialist service in the hospital, save that mum four hours worth of driving, more regular routine pediatric visits over the first kind of 12 months of the baby's life. Sometimes they absolutely have to go in the hospital, but sometimes the pediatrician can simply be looking at mum and baby on the video. A natural extension of providing teleneonatology to rural regions is also supporting pediatric retrieval services. So our solution is a really good option to provide retrieval specialists with immediate audio and visual connectivity. 
we know that our program can drive better outcomes, lower transfer rates, and hopefully saves lives. But honestly, there's heaps of examples. Uh, Joe, I'm sure you can most probably name bloody 10 straight off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to kind of think about it is the entire inpatient journey, right? I mean, pediatric ED is a major priority for many of our customers, including the Mater. You know, going up to the NICU, going up to even just surrounding services for both mothers and babies. So there's a lot of, I guess, end-to-end programs as a patient enters the hospital and as they leave the hospital uh, that we can drive with this kind of mothership program. No pun intended. I think about that, though. And everyone knows COVID fast-tracked the adoption and use of virtual care services in healthcare. And we're moving into the era where we're not staying at home anymore. How do you see these virtual care solutions fitting into our healthcare system moving forward? I mean, personally, I am very excited about the uh, introduction of public urgent care centers in Australia. I think that they're a long time coming. I think most people agree. We need to have more of these in between services like subacute facilities and urgent care centers for the populations. Not everybody can go to a hospital. And frankly, I think as we have more of these sort of higher acuity, but less hospital dependent ERGs coming into play, I think urgent care centers will virtualize. Uh, you'll have situations where a major metropolitan area will have their specialist tapping into these subacute facilities more often and therefore driving hospital avoidance and reserving the level six ICUs and the, the NICUs themselves potentially for the higher acuity patients. So you're kind of spreading the capacity of the hospital across the, the more higher acuity patients while also delivering care faster for the non-acute patients. Anything else, Darren, to add from your side? Yeah, I think kind of building on what Joe said, for me, two areas that I think virtual care can help solve two of the biggest issues that healthcare is facing at the moment, and that's workforce availability and health equity. On workforce availability, we know that COVID has created a huge issue. Many clinicians have left the system. Those still in the system are under huge pressure, facing burnout. My daughter-in-law is actually a nurse at one of Melbourne's major hospitals and she just tells me horror stories about how difficult her role has been over the last kind of couple of years. So virtual care can absolutely provide a solution either through allowing one clinician to increase productivity by being able to care for multiple patients simultaneously through our virtual care technology or even by allowing a clinician to provide care from the comfort of their home which reduces stress and burnout potential. And in terms of health equity, virtual care is already a proven methodology. It's been in use for a long time. We know it can help provide people in rural and remote populations with access to the same level of high quality care that many of us in the city take for granted. And we know that virtual care provides greater access, it lowers times to appointments, it lowers wait times, it saves travel times, it lowers transfers. The list just goes on and on. And let's not forget that virtual care also lowers costs because it increases capability, it increases efficiency, it increases productivity. So programs like our tele-neonatology program that we've just launched at the MARTA, you know, to me, it shows there's room for even more solutions that will continue to bridge that health equity gap. We're seeing a lot of movement in the ED redesign space, as well as the ED triage space. And the advent of increased investment in urgent care centers in New South Wales and Victoria, coupled with the tried and true in-reach and HIP program, scaling across virtual care remote monitoring should add to the expansion of subacute facilities and non-acute facilities. So wrapping up then, if you were to summarize some of the key aspects of launching a successful virtual care program, what would be some of those kind of key final thoughts from you guys? And also this combination of Philips and Teladoc, 
how do you kind of summarize why that's a really good combo to do these types of things? I think we kind of touched on this in the last podcast, but we're finding more and more care settings that this applies to. The combination of Philip's you know, tried and true 20 years experience in remote patient monitoring, plus you know, Teladoc's award-winning teleconsultation platform and fleet of cameras, you know, really is an end-to-end solution for all care settings, both hospital in the home and in between. What's interesting is as this space evolves into different care models, like the aforementioned urgent care, advanced pediatrics, and subacute spaces, we're evolving with it. So customers are bringing us new use cases, and we're working with our platforms together to fulfill those use cases with really no parts left over, so to speak. So we're really excited for the future and excited for growing the partnership. Yeah. And look, I just think for anything to be successful, you need to have a few things going for you. You need to be capable. You need to be scalable. You need to be proven. You need to have the confidence and the know-how to produce results. That can fit in any kind of area, but in virtual care, I think the number one thing you need is to have a fearless attitude to commit to change, to be able to push the boundaries, to challenge the status quo, because healthcare is stuck and then it needs to be pushed. And so Philips and Teladoc Health are the leaders in this field. You know, we push boundaries on a global scale. There are no better two organizations ready to take on the challenge of helping health organizations in Australia and New Zealand get ready for the future of healthcare. And we're going to take them there. No, exciting times. Look, gents, I appreciate you making the time to come and have a chat again. We'll put the details in the show notes of this episode for people to check out information about Teladoc and Philips, both THT Plus members with a presence on our website. You can keep up to date with what's going on. And I look forward to checking in again on the podcast, maybe in another 12 months or so, and we can see how far things have progressed at that point then for the, the third in the, uh, in the series, maybe. We'll have to think of a better name for the third part of the trilogy as well. The trilogy. So, uh, thank you so much for your time. Podcast with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pete. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.